Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of PLP Talks, where we have interesting conversations with interesting people in the bike industry. I'm your host, Russ Roca, and you're actually listening to the podcast version of our YouTube interview series. If you want to watch this in moving and talking video, go check out our YouTube channel. This podcast is listener supported, and if you want to learn more about how to keep this podcast going, be sure to check the show notes. In this episode, we talk with one of the most enigmatic and well-known bike Instagrammers out there. He goes by different names, Johnny, Poppy, Ultra Romance, but in this episode, we're going to call him Benedict. We talk about this whole phenomena of Ultra Romance as the celebrity, how he became a professional bike tourist and what that's like, and also what's the difference between bikepacking and bike touring. He seems to not like the word bikepacking, and we find out why. So sit back, hop on the bike trainer, or go for a run, or push that mouse around with a purpose, and enjoy. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, thank you. Hold your applause, please. <laughs> <laughs> so you Just are, throw flowers. Right. <laughs> so you are in sunny Tucson right now, which is a, a big improvement over Montana here. I think it's like 20 degrees. From Yeah, from what I've... From what I've gathered in my in my, uh, in my travels, you can't find a better place in the U.S. than Tucson, Arizona, this time of year. Everything else is, is the most predictably sunny and dry place yeah. that I've encountered. And every time we leave to go somewhere else, you know, we're like, we just should have stayed in Tucson. Just get <laughs> nice and warm, nice and warm. They got a Whole Foods, a Trader Joe's, a Sprouts. What else we got over here, Nams? Natural grocers, yeah, food co-op, all within a mile of where we're sitting right now. That's awesome. And the, <laughs> and the riding in the area is pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess secondary. Yeah, the yeah. riding's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, um, we spent about a month here two years ago, two months here last year, and now we're uh, here for a number of months so yeah i can't can't complain it's a beautiful place got some great people here and and uh yeah it's been drawing in a lot of other people have had uh cass gilbert and and uh and leo wilcox have <laughs> showed up in the last few weeks so yeah, it's pretty funny yeah yeah and we have uh ty hathaway is here too and right. and uh and then um some great bike shops and then the people who are staying with our 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 uh, work with bikers and everything so that's been really cool to yeah, it's just a big bike community, really, everywhere. I don't know if I'm just not exposing myself to other people or just <laughs> everyone's the bike community. <laughs> Probably <Awesome>. the latter. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, kind of your evolution in cycling. So it sounded like early on uh, you were really into uh, racing. What was that point when you were like, uh, this is not for me and you wanted to explore other things? Um, I get, My first taste of racing would be when I was in high school, when I, I was... Uh, um, mountain biking was, it was the nineties. Um, even though I'm 21, it was the nineties <laughs> and, <laughs> um, mountain biking was huge, you know, and, and, uh, uh, all of, you know, all of my heroes, the early mountain bike racers of the day with Missy Giovi and, and, uh, mainly Missy Giovi loved her still do. And, uh, you know, John Tomac knit over and, you know, Julie Furtado go on and on, but you know, the, uh, uh, they really inspired me to, get on the mountain bike and race mm -hmm. and uh i had 
a mom who was way into it and she would come to every race and like run alongside me the entire race <laughs> cheering. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so racing was awesome. Main, mainly mountain bike racing was awesome until, and I went to college to do more racing at Fort Lewis college, which I picked chose the college because of the racing program. And I wanted to be in the Olympics right. for, for mountain bike racing. And, uh, like the first, I think I did, we had a, uh, a specific like hill climb to see what, um, what category you would fall in on the Fort Lewis college cycling team. And it was a, B or C. Mm-hmm. And I remember, uh, getting there and not used to the, you know, I'm used to new England and I'm used to like the shade and not huge. <laughs> and stuff. And so we, we start up the climb and I think I made it like halfway up and I'm just like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I never went to the meeting again. Then I got away into bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. And bodybuilding for the rest of college was just using cycling as kind of like a, a way to, you know, for cardio. Right. And uh, and then uh, after graduating college, I moved to Austin and then started road racing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a lot of fun with Team William Mammoth that we, my my buddy Patrick and I started. Yeah. And uh, we kind of made our our Cat Five road racing team into a Euro Pro team. Yeah. <laughs> pretty successful at that so that was fun for a while until the novelty wore off and and i i remember just being like man there's got to be more to this like this is not you know i'm hanging out with people who are driving their cars to go race bikes and mm-hmm. like if we have want to hang out afterwards like hey let's go get dinner or something or like let's get a drink or whatever and they drive their cars to go get the check with their bikes, you know? And I'm like, why does everyone not ride? Why does everyone think they need all this fancy stuff to ride bikes? You know, right. like, why can't we just ride bikes? And, uh, I, I was kind of like delving in a little bit into the, the Grant Peterson manifestos at that point And, yeah. uh, uh, was into the, that style of bicycle. And, you know, I was really, I had really drank that and really drank that down that you had to have that special shorts, Mm-hmm. At least, at the bare minimum, the special <laughs> shorts and shoes to ride a bike, you know? Yeah. And uh, um, it was really kind of like dragging on me. I was just like, this isn't, it's just isn't fun. You know, what happened to when we were kids and you just used to get on the bike and ride your bike? Right. And, uh, and that was like a big untraining process because, you know, I didn't really have anyone else to, other than like reading the Rivendell stuff, I didn't have any other... You know, it was before Instagram and whatnot where you can just ask questions. Right. (laughs) So, you know, kind of learning a lot of that stuff on your own. And and, uh, um, but it completely changed cycling entirely for me and brought it back to basics, back Mm -hmm. to when I really, really enjoyed it, back to when it was like just special magical thing, you know. And I think I had lost that in in all of the training data. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) um and so I kind of rebuilt myself up from that and, and, uh, touring was the, I'd done a few tours prior to that, but, um, um, but with a chamois and shoes and, and what, what uh, was your first, yeah. what was your first bicycle tour? You remember my first, but bi- <laughs> my first bicycle tour was, uh, was pretty ill-fated <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, the, uh, um, I, when I graduated college, I, uh, I tried to, um, it was right when the extra cycle came out and the, 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 the manager at the bike shop in, in Durango, mm-hmm. um, let me use one and I attached it to my mountain bike and, uh, the mountain, I was really into cross country mountain biking. So like the, like the, I think the saddles up here and the stem is down here, just right. slamming everything. I had a supple back, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I, I attached the extra cycle to my mountain bike and, um, 
just lashed trash bags on. And I remember I had one other guy uh, who I knew who had done a bike tour before, and he came over before I left. I was going to try and ride the the Transamerica route, uh, you know, from through up through Durango and connect to it in Pueblo and go all the way to to uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. I had a friend in Philadelphia that I was going to visit. So that was my goal. And I was going to try to get there in a month before I started working on the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, and it was like a, it was one of those, you know, classic moments where you break up with your girlfriend and you're like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I graduated. I don't want to, I can't stay in Durango. I can't afford this. I'm just going to hit the road or whatever. And, and mm-hmm. I did with, with my extra cycle and trash bags. And mm-hmm. I, got, I think I had 32 ounce pump of Jergens. <laughs> Not for what you think. <laughs> like three pairs of jeans, like all this ridiculous stuff. CD books. That was the main thing. Nice. I, I had, I knew I was like, I'm going to be alone out there. I need to have, so I had those, those case logic CD books, you know, right. that hold like 80 CDs. I had two of those. <laughs> I didn't know. So yeah, I, I set out and I knew I had to do 120 miles a day. That was the, and so like totally unrealistic, but you know, you're young and you don't really know. And so, um, yeah, that, that bike just gradually fell apart throughout the country. <laughs> and, uh, I won't go into details, but yeah, it really fell apart. Lost the CD books like in a ditch. And oh, no. had one C- one CD left in the CD player, and it was the this terrible like Swedish dance pop music, <laughs> like the only like variation in that I only brought. So I just listened to that till it wore out, and <laughs> and ended up just getting on a bus and taking it to Philadelphia, yeah, <laughs> somewhere in St. Louis. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm done. I, this is stupid, you know. Uh, I but I didn't didn't know the alternatives until uh, later on. I, I don't think I attempted like a longer bike trip um more than a few nights uh probably for another five six years yeah and so there's a bit of a like an incubation process before you jumped right in again <laughs> yeah yeah you know and, and it was it's, it's funny because those maps those adventure cycling maps were so paramount to mm-hmm. to uh to bicycle touring back then and uh which wasn't even that long ago if you think about it i don't you know you yeah. what you use you know with how far gps has come in the last 10 years it's nuts you know to think that you could just go out with those maps and i don't even remember remember i had like a little transistor radio to listen to weather mm-hmm. like it sounds like the 50s doesn't it <laughs> <Dark> ages. <laughs> yeah touring in the dark Not ages yeah <laughs> crazy yeah yeah so Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah. I listened to your uh, presentation at Philly Bike Expo, and it sounds like you have a real appreciation for the bike as art. Mm-hmm. Um, if mm-hmm. you could name like maybe two or three like that you feel are like iconic bicycles to you, what would they be? Uh, certainly, the first would be the Rivendell Atlantis. Yeah. Um, being the first touring bike that like actual touring bike that I saw that I saw, and I was like, oh, that's something mm-hmm. uh, something to be coveted. Uh, Second would be like, uh, um, as a close second, would be something that J.P. Weigel would build. Uh, J.P. Weigel ran an A-bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, third, I would, I would put, it would have, definitely, it would be a mountain bike. Um, <laughs> probably the, probably the, the uh, uh, Tinker Juarez's is uh, Klein Attitude. I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah cool so i've always thought i've always taken like 
from those three different worlds of like, uh, uh, yeah, let's say classic MTB or vintage, you know, nineties MTB, uh, Grant Peterson and, um, and Peter Weigel have definitely been my, the biggest, what I try to draw on and bring together into what, um, kind of influences my style right. with bicycles and whatnot. Cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah, it seems like a real interesting time in the bike industry because it wasn't like too long ago. Like the brands didn't pay any attention to touring bikes. They mm-hmm. were just like, you know, bikes that they used to sell old parts. And mm-hmm. uh, now there's been a resurgence. Why do you think that is? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's real funny to think because you had the, um, I remember uh, talking what, right when uh, my buddy Jared started working for Rivendell, like after we, he got a job there, right? As we were touring down the West coast a number of years ago, he doesn't work there anymore, but he worked there for three or four years. Mm-hmm. And right when he first started working there, we were just, cause we were way, way into, you know, being Rivendell fanboys <laughs> and uh, uh, stuff was brand was, you know, essentially brand new to us. And we were just like, wow, our minds were being blown left and right. And, right. And, uh, and <clears throat> Grant said like, um, this is not a quotable because this is secondhand, thirdhand, or whatever. But <laughs> touring, touring product, touring will never be marketable, you know. And um, and I just was thinking, I was like, I don't know. I I really think there's something here, you know. And and mm-hmm. uh, um, I think that certainly uh, um, Eric Nolan w- with uh, Specialized when he came through on his he's, he, before he was with Specialized, he was doing a uh, like cross country trip with his wife's, mm-hmm. and uh, they. Um, that's when I met him in Austin he, and he came by and then got that job at specialized and then the whole AWOL thing happened and, uh, all of a sudden there was like attention on the Radivist, which was then prob- prob- probably, probably not probably. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so, uh, and all of a sudden I, I just thought, I was just like, wow, you know, there really is, I think there's, again, it's like, I think there's something here and, and, uh, um, so I think that's kind of like when it all started happening a little bit, and you have you, the way bicycle trends go. I think the uh, like fixie kids move to cyclocross, mm-hmm. and then ride start their cyclocross bikes on dirt roads, and then started riding their cyclocross bikes on trails, and realized they needed mountain bikes, and mm-hmm. then they were like, well, what do we, you know? Then oh, I like camping. I'm going to go camping on my mountain bike, and right. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, take a bunch of photos of me drinking coffee somewhere, and most of my going to want to do that, right? <laughs> because it really is. It's it's uh, uh, as far as as far as like the social aspect of of cycling goes. Like you know, you go on a bike tour with some friends and whatnot, and you get to take a lot of photos and like show them to people. And boy, doesn't that look fun? And it does because it's it's great fun. It's yeah. like a such a denatured form of of like of just childhood uh um fun you know unless what you're going out on your bike with your friends like that's what we used to do and it's undeniable that that is universally fun you know right especially when you add in you know some cool terrain and uh some decent food and campfire and yeah it's great you know it's like it's like having a sleepover that's not like weird yeah yeah as as yeah, as adults, friends. it's kind of weird to have a sleepover. The concept of sleepover, but when you frame it in bike touring, it's okay. 
Okay. <laughs> so I think there's a certain part in everybody that you know that naturally just wants to do that, and so uh, so yeah, I think I think that's you know that's where we are now with with bicycle touring, and um, it's it's a wonderful thing because it is it's 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 so all inclusive and so much fun, and uh, but you know more so than anything, it's led by the GPS revolution, mm-hmm. and. I guess that's like the real answer to the question, why has bike touring become popular? And that's because people can share their routes, you see, which is good and bad, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, you know, sharing routes and actually not spending half the time or, you know, three quarters of the time out there being lost and, and <laughs> ending at a feeder road, like a highway home, you know, like that's that's paramount to the enjoyment of yeah. – <laughs> of cycling so yeah i think that's um that's a trend that we've kind of we've we've watched and talking to bike shops um you know the the gear is an issue for for most people that that are interested in bike touring it's finding um you know a safe route or a good route to actually use that gear and find you know people to to do it with so it seems like that technology is kind of filling in that that missing gap between like i can buy all the touring stuff to like actually going touring Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, technology is a huge player in in bike touring, which is (laughs) a little bit ironic. (laughs) (laughs) So let's let's talk a little bit. uh, You touched on the the social media side. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the persona of ultra romance. Did did you start that just just for fun, or with the intention of uh, creating a global empire? And uh, (laughs) at what point was it like, whoa, this is becoming a thing? Well, um, let's see, I, you, I get the or, origin of the name. I've, I've had that, uh, romance as my last name for a num for since high school. Mm-hmm. It's when I was in a fantasy metal band called chivalry, <laughs> Rubio, romance, the blonde romance. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and so I've kind of always attached that to my persona throughout the, my different personas have all had that aspect to it and so coming to uh you know and it's uh i think mm, i had a um an iphone touch i no, uh what's it called yeah the ipod touch yeah and i uh my friends were taking photos with their iphones and talking about instagram and i was like whoa what's (laughs) what's this and they're like dude it's the only reason to have an iphone <laughs> and um, and so I uh, I, th- I was like okay all right so it's like MySpace no. <laughs> no 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 and so I had always taken I had always uh, taken photos of my friends riding bikes and stuff you know throughout my lifetime as a way to like especially when I moved to Colorado to brag to my friends in in New England how yeah. sweet the riding was you know <laughs> and uh, and so. I was like, wow, I was like looking through, I was like, oh, I can, I can do that. And, uh, so I started, uh, using that iPod touch and, um, and started to, to an Instagram and I was, I was, you know, I was bike touring full time. And so I had lots of stuff to take photos of. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think I was fortunate that I was in like the first wave of cycling Instagrammers. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, it really took off pretty quick. I think it was within the probably the first year. I I kind of had a feeling that it was going to turn into something, and yeah. what it what it was going to be, I had no idea. 
but I knew at the very least I was going to be able to, you know, get a job at a bike shop or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, and it just kept on, just kept on going from there. And um, uh, never did I think that it would be, you know, where it is now. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's fun to fun to think back and every once in a while I look back on those like heavily filtered, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> iPod photos and right. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's cool that you've been able to to turn it into um a business and and you know, at empire. least have it like, like let's call it what it is it's a global empire there yeah. you go global empire <laughs> <laughs> um i think what's what's interesting is you've been able to kind of uh you know leverage um we'll i'll use the word celebrity for lack of better terms to actually create some interesting products can you talk about some of the partnerships you've had with like Swift and with the folks at Crust and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've always been pretty opinionated on my product choices and, and things like that. And um, having a platform to – actually, this is a, this is funny. I actually – so t- 10 years ago, I was kind of thinking over, whoa, what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> you know, I'm <laughs> working on a fishing boat and I'm, you know, I'm just like – burying cash or whatever I was, you know, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Like I gotta, I want to find a piece of land somewhere and just like set up on it and do mm-hmm. whatever. And so I was like saving up for that. And I was like, this is going to take forever. I can't, I can't do this. Um, I'm like, well, why don't I just go and like camp in places and like pretend that it's my own land, you know? And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and out West, of course, there's the huge, you know, this national forest everywhere. When I figured that out, I was like, oh, I could stay here for, for weeks and, go completely undetected and it's not private property that's mm-hmm. awesome and um and so i was like well you know, i'm still going to probably need a job and so my my plan was that i was going to go to i was going to move to morgan hill and like <laughs> so i don't think i've ever said this in public <laughs> so I'm gonna go camp somewhere in morgan hill and try to get a job as a janitor at specialized this is like goodwill hunting stuff <laughs> <laughs> and uh so i was gonna go get a job at i was gonna get a job as a janitor at specialized and work my way up until, until i was like a designer or something you know yeah <laughs> and uh and so that's a true story so yeah so um i've always wanted to make products and uh uh you know i've i've champion myself an idea man and beyond the ideas i can't really <laughs> actualize and so the last so since the last three years, since I've been able to um, not work, I don't have to work on the boat anymore. I'm a full-time, you know, professional cyclotourist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've had this free time to kind of focus more on the products, which has been, and more in money to invest in the products too. Mm-hmm. And um, that's been, it's been awesome to actually have, you know, I've had ideas my whole life and to actualize them finally, you know, right. at, at 21 years old to finally actualize. <laughs> That's pretty it's, good uh, to, to yeah, do that yeah. every 30. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the thing with Swift, the thing with Swift, I think that was really the, the, uh, what really opened my mind up to what's possible. I didn't really think those bags were, were gonna, I didn't, you know, I, I had been using the, that Caradice, uh, long flap camper on the front of my bike for a while and I was like, no, oh, this is really 
pretty sweet and you could do this without a rack, you know, but the thing just collapses in. It's not quite right. You know, it's not, doesn't keep the elements out the way I want it to. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I had the, in my brain, that total redesign, you know, when you're just riding your bike all day and looking at a bag, <laughs> <it's, it's, laughs> the idea is just, yeah. yeah and, uh, yeah. Ask Martina. She, too many ideas. So, <laughs> um, so to be able to, so I was talking on the phone with, I, I guess the first thing was with Matt. I met Matt from Crust Bikes, and uh, he came up to Connecticut for a few weeks. While w- one of the one of those instances when I was out with Lyme disease and actually couldn't ride my bike, mm-hmm. so he just came and we talked for like three days about products. And he's trying to start this bike company, and and he wanted to do a frame with me. And that was when we did the preliminary design for the Romancer. Mm-hmm. And I wanted des- I wanted those handlebars that we still quite have perfect yet mm-hmm. um or in stock anywhere but uh i wanted those handlebars and so he's like and then so yeah i guess this all kind of happened at once and then he so during that trip he is talking on the phone to martina and just handed the phone to me and so, <laughs> martina uh benedict here wants to make bags and they're like hand me the phone <laughs> I was like, well, well hi martina <laughs> <laughs> and she was so cool so cool and like so with it and on it immediately i think like within that first month i had a prototype and oh, i was wow. like wow i believe this and it worked awesome you yeah. know and and uh so she she was so behind it and um and she's so good at staying organized with time frames and this is the stuff that i really needed to start actualizing <laughs> <laughs> um idea man to actualize without the help of specialized being a janitor i needed this <laughs> so, uh, so she really helped me uh, um get myself organized and uh and the bag was we did the first pre-order and it they sold out and i was nuts it was five hours oh, wow. so 50 bags you yeah. know and i was just like blown away at the response from people you know mm-hmm. that they wanted this stuff and uh um so that just got me thinking more and more about other things and and um so as the you know the I think the yeah the romancer came out that was real fun, that continues to be fun still I, in my opinion the it's my favorite bike that I own mm-hmm. and um, just feels great you know, it's a great great bike and it's different and it's I think it fits a nice nice uh, niche in the market um, and uh, the handlebars the leather bars and then the towel rack and whatever they have as many names as me I guess but the <laughs> they're, that's really my um, that's really what I'm most into is getting the handlebars right. Cause the, you think about the handlebars make the bike, you know, that changes a bike entirely. And it's mm-hmm. all about switching, switch your handlebars or your bike becomes totally different. You get a new bike without having to buy a new bike. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, I've always, always wanted really, really wide handlebars and really wide drop bars I, with my wrist issues and mm-hmm. just lo- riding longer miles. I feel like the drop bar is just superior just to have all those hand positions. Mm-hmm. Um, but forever we've been, uh, you know, drop bars have been a, a road bike thing and they, ha- and they have not released themselves from the tradition of road <laughs> racing. Obviously you're going to go road. You're not going to, you know, contest in a field sprint with a handlebar that's almost 70 millimeters wide. <laughs> um, so, you know, they made the, the road bike bars were, you know, drop bars were narrow because of that. You know, you got to, 
you know, get your way through the Peloton and anything wider would be totally dangerous and also less aerodynamic. Right. Uh, so I think like a huge part of, of this whole, of, of why touring has become popular too, is because the touring bike isn't performance based, it's comfort based. And mm-hmm. you could have a lot of fun with your bike if, if you're trying to optimize it for comfort mm-hmm. and are really wide handlebars performance wise are they fast <laughs> like i don't <laughs> <laughs> that's not the point you know it's comfort and fun yeah. and I, uh that's you know that's what's gonna bring cycling to the masses and um and so like having when we got those those first wide drop bars in matt called me up and he's like he was in new jersey and i was in connecticut i'll do i'll try to do my best uh <laughs> <laughs> and he goes I got these bars in, but I can't even get them on the train. <laughs> <laughs> I bring them up to you, mate, but I can't get them on the train. And <laughs> sounds just like that. Yeah. And so I, I was like, bring them up anyway. And he brought them up, and I, he like put them in my hands. I was like, oh my god, this is so stupid. <laughs> and, then I, and then I put them on my bike, and I like pedaled out of the driveway, and I was like, oh yes. <laughs> This is it. This is it. And uh, yeah, I haven't looked back ever since. And my bikes haven't looked the same ever since either. It's it's kind of been like aesthetically, it's been a while. It's been a little bit for me to wrap my head around, you know, how funky those things look. But I think I'm there now. They look normal. And uh, (laughs) and and, you know, the more you ride bars like that, you're just like, well, you know, it's just going to be a matter of time before this is like a a normal thing and yeah. uh that kind of that kind of excites me that that you can contribute like that there's ways to contribute like that for small guys to contribute like that mm-hmm. and because of the way our um <clears throat> social networking like what do they call it our friend community like within our friend economy mm-hmm. within social media <laughs> that little guys are able to release products you know and have you know, free average, not free. I, I don't know what you want to call it, but you know, direct advertising to the consumer right. and you can, it's a, it's an incredible, incredible world as long as the internet stays free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting in that, like it used to be, um, you know, the bikes that we got were seemed to be dictated by, you know, people in the pro Peloton, but yeah. we're at this interesting time where, you know, the tail's wagging the dog. You know, that the brands mm-hmm. are actually looking to, you know, people in the social media space to kind of dictate product, um, mm-hmm. which I think is, it's cool because we're finally getting the, the cool bikes and cool bike parts that we actually want. Yeah. <laughs> well, exciting. It's a, it's a, it's a, we live in the best and worst of times right now. Yeah, that, that is for sure. <laughs> so do you, um, do you consider yourself a bike tourist or a bike packer? And is there a difference or is it semantics? <laughs> You know, it's a man. It's, it's, <laughs> I got after I did that Philly Philly Bike Expo um, talk. I you know I I uh, I start talking and especially in front of a lot of people. I don't know what I'm saying. Like, Nam Nam told me afterwards. She's like, "You said it like six times that you not not dislike you hate the term bike packing." <laughs> <laughs> and I really do. <laughs> I really do. Well, what, what are the connotations um, for you? You know, the when I think of when I think of uh, so, okay, when I think of bike packing, I think of the wagging boner bag, and <laughs> uh, uh, I and and I'm not. I can't be one to you know 
like my bikes look so funky nowadays. I can't be one to talk, but in my purest days of when I was, you know, riding with a, you know, uh, dirt drops in a basket and like a carrot ice or something like that was my like bike packing setup. Right. And, uh, um, and it looked sweet, you know, like that clockwork two niner was such a hot looking bike. And, uh, uh, that was like my interpretation of, of like the boner bag setup. <laughs> and so, uh, I, and I was able to carry plenty of stuff and not be like wicked minimalist, you know, and able to travel at a decent speed and it was reliable, you know? And, and then, um, and I would ride with other people who were, had similar setups and things like that. And, and then, um, uh, then all, you know, I started noticing like the very, you know, I don't know, not well put together bicycles with the stuff. It's just essentially a mountain bike with, you know, with stuff strapped to it mm-hmm. and that thing wagging in the back, <laughs> like you're behind the person, like you're trying to just ride. And all you see is this thing wagging at you all day long, you know, and you'll hate, you'll hate that term after you. <laughs> <laughs> so I associate, I associate bike packing with a little bit more of like a, like a, uh, but it, this is all bunk now. This is like early days. It's I've totally changed. I've changed my mind, which I'll go into after I talk about this. But the, <laughs> so the, you know, the, I, I just associate when I hear that term bike packing, I associate it with jock packing, like somebody who's out there trying to like calm everything and, and try to fit, you know, like Snickers bars, like that's the only thing that could fit inside their packs <laughs> and they can't get to them during the day. So they just have like, you know, why stop? I can't even find my food. <laughs> if had, you know, I'm just going to go and do 200 miles a day and, right. and just, and just, you know, and, uh, turn my brain into a lizard. And, uh, so that's not what I want to promote. <laughs> and uh, think that that's realistic to promote to anyone else, and I think that's kind of like a uh, yeah, it's like a, a something that somebody with a very um, um, a very, very like it's like destination, like a someone who's very um, keyed into the destination rather than the journey of the tour. Well, for me, it's always felt like you know, it's if you took bike touring and made it into a sport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very more yeah, like yeah, athletic that- oriented, performance based. And uh-huh. like, I've never, like, I don't bike tour to, to do that. So it's, you know, it didn't, it didn't fully gel with it completely either in the beginning. There's some things I've kind of adopted, but I think still like, um, you know, I'm not, I can't be that minimalist when I go touring. <laughs> and there's something about like, 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 uh, I came from a, a backpacking, like a minimalist backpacking background and, uh, but there's something that really, I feel like that really matters when you're carrying all the weight on your back. Mm-hmm. When you're carrying the weight on your bike, you can get away with a lot more. And it's there's just certain things that are silly, you know. And if you're eating um, oatmeal for, you know, if you're eating a, a example is like the like the Quaker oatmeal packets. If you're just pouring water into your Quaker oatmeal packets and eating that for breakfast in the morning. You're probably a bike packing. (laughs) (laughs) You pack up your camp at at sunrise and you're out, you know. And 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 I I run into trouble with this because I have I I'm a huge fan of Lael Wilcox and have been for a long long time, and that's her style, you know. Mm -hmm. And I 
and uh and so like I, i'm not it's not like an attacker anyways it's cheeky but uh <laughs> uh like the like like i could say like people who tend to do that kind of touring are you know generally not it's not like something realistic for other people to get into and not like a stepping point for people to start enjoying the backcountry you're gonna probably have a really awful time you know mm-hmm. you got to some comforts out there with you and uh and so but at the same time um people doing the like fast packing like just out there turning it into a sport like leo wilcox like she's incredibly inspiring and so important and crucial and whatever mm-hmm. we're whatever this turns into you know mm-hmm. so i, I with that but this the 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 like cringe from the bike packing thing turns back to um just my uh like other touring friends that i had that I, I guess, curmudgeon touring friends that <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard of bike packing. We used to call it touring, or like, <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know, uh, I think uh, I, I've also heard that like bike packing was actually like the the term. Like, it's not a it's not a new term. There's a, a, a magazines that have published the term like in the seventies, yeah, and it was yeah. like or 80s and it was like the squares would use bike packing as the term like that was like the square <laughs> thing to say like, and it is it's a much less it's a much less romantic term you're touring and you see yeah you're like ooh, touring you yeah. know or <laughs> i don't know so I, I ran into a little trouble with that because one of my favorite websites is bikepacking.com right. so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after that talk he emailed me he's like great talk but why what why do you hate on bike <laughs> like ooh, did i say that that many times <laughs> sorry logan but, uh, that's it's cheeky <laughs> so it's the term that came out on top and it's here to stay so yeah. i just gotta live with it yeah so do you ever feel um um like what, what do you think like uh since you've got such a, a big persona online do you ever feel constrained by that ultra romance box <laughs> um yeah, you know i i uh no, I don't. Not yet, but I can perceive that happening. But the, this is the this is the this is the real fun part, you know. If at any time I want to be done with this, all I got to do is cut my hair and shave my beard, and I could just do my own. No one will even know it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I could just vanish. Yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't recognize you. <laughs> no, they won't recognize me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's put on some sunglasses and you know, another two years, people won't even, re- won't even remember me. I'll be good. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, no, I. I, uh, it's ever evolving, you know, I, I don't, I don't like to be, I'm not the type of person that wants to be the same person every day. You know, like I, I don't want, you know, I don't want that. I want to be evolving. If the second I stop evolving, I'm not living anymore, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, it's going to change. It's going to, it's and you know, that's just the way it's going to be. You know, it, I think it's going to, I, 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 I always look forward to the future because I know that this is what it, I know that this is my path. And this is what I'm, this is what I, what I, you know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm not, you know, as my age crawls up there, I'm just going to get better at it. You yeah. Know? So. <laughs> Once you hit 25, you'll be, <laughs> so, so 25, I should be pretty good. <laughs> what do you, um, what do you think the, are the biggest misconceptions people have about, about you? Um, that's a good question. Um, misconceptions, I guess would be. You know, I, I get a, I get a lot of times I, I uh, when I meet when I meet people, they're like, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize, like, I didn't think that you would, 
be such a nice guy or be like, <laughs> and uh, I'm like, what do you mean? You know? <laughs> and they're like, I'm just people I meet like from the internet or whatever, like, you know, be a, and I, yeah, are you going to a bike shop and you meet some, you know, like the bike industry is full of dudes that are just aggro, you know, just like, uh, anybody who's gone into a bike shop and like wanted to ask a simple question and felt totally intimidated by everyone in there mm -hmm. can, can, um, can relate to that. And I want to be like a, a source that people can ask about hacking bikes and like doing things that mechanics would tell you absolutely not to do <laughs> or make money for doing it. And, um, I like to be that guy that, you know, that, be the guy that I didn't, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to be intimidating. You know, I want to be able to answer questions in, in like a human and not, you know, not scare people away. And mm -hmm. because the idea is to bring more people into this and not, you know, and not, uh, polarize. But, um, so yeah, I guess I kind of, people are surprised that I'm nice, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was, I was watching Matt's recording, like, early on, you're like, and this is proof I can read. <laughs> That's right. They're surprised I can read. <laughs> well, there's so much. It's, I feel like, especially with Instagram, many people don't even, sometimes people don't even read the, the caption. So, like, mm -hmm. everything's, like, kind of all your projections, your biases are kind of, you know, encapsulated in just, like, a, a single photo. And there's a lot that's left out in the photo a lot of context and you know yeah exactly yeah so yeah you get the a certain idea of somebody from you know the, uh I, I i guess you and i are probably from the last generation that will really critique uh like modern friendship you know and because we've had both sides yeah and um uh, you know what you know what we think is weird right now is absolutely the norm this is modern friendship this is just the way this is the way the world works now and right. you got to embrace it. And I'm not the, I think that's also another thing that people misconceive about me is that I'm like a, you know, a, a primitivist and I just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, not, I think you got to take equal. I like to have, you know, I think it's important to have, uh, uh, you know, to balance your screen time with, with fire watching or something. <laughs> <laughs> think of it equivalent but uh you know that you can balance it and it's there's no point in resisting you know uh the technological changes in the in this world and as long as we you know you know protect the free land and things like that you know other than that stuff you know the technological changes is you know you just got to go with it and um I, it's been it's been great for me i've embraced it and and not you know I've met so many wonderful people, you know, over mm -hmm. the internet. <laughs> internet, <Yeah>. internet fascinating. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it really, it really kind of uh, denatures the whole bicycle ex bike nerd experience because you have, you suddenly have a, an entire community of people that are into already into. You already have something in common, you mm -hmm. know, and it takes away that awkward first step of <laughs> talking to somebody, which you know, which I was. You know, I could be okay at that sometimes, but you know, a lot of people, it's not, they've had great anxieties their entire lives just striking up a conversation with somebody. And if you could start it on the internet and then maybe meet someone in real life or not even just have exchange pen pals or whatever, you know, I think it's pretty cool. Cool.
<clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. Like, um, like the whole, you know, social media is, you know, fascinating for, for that aspect, you know, making, um, you know, finding your tribe online and, and being able to, um, you know, have these friendships. It's also interesting, like, you know, kind of, uh, enables interesting new, new, new jobs, <laughs> you know, like we, you know, we've had our website for, it's coming on 10 years and we've been able to hack a living together for like the last eight, you know, solely on that, which is, yeah. How cool. Bonkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So have you been able to is it you 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 mentioned uh you know full-time uh, professional cycle tourists. Have have you been able to cobble uh, an income and like something sustainable with you know the your brand, your personal brand or or whatever? Yes, yes, definitely. It, that's that's been incredibly rewarding because I, you know, for since I was 16, my income was working on my father's boat, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't particularly like it. I liked the, the the free time that it afforded me, which is how I was able to do to get a foot in this stuff, you know, uh, in the first place was just having six months off to go ride my bike, and um, so. But I didn't want to. I knew I. I was like, you know, I could always fall back on that, you know. I suppose. And it's always there if I'm if I go totally broke while there's still fish in Long Island Sound. But uh, <laughs> uh, um, but at the uh, you know but you know at the same time again when I was thinking about the going back to moving to Morgan Hill and Goodwill Hunting at Specialized, <laughs> <laughs> you can just leave like um, uh, bike designs on their whiteboard yeah, in the middle of the night. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sixty-four degrees, seventy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the uh uh i i just you know you get this epiphany where you're like you know i don't want kids there's no rush i don't have any rush for what i want to do you know i'm i'm not i don't have someone else's life to dedicate myself to i'm going to dedicate myself to myself and i'm going to do what i always wanted to do and that was like a real epiphany for me and 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 realizing that like I could try as hard as I can at this and it's either going to work or not. And if it doesn't work, no big deal. It's not like, you know, I have a mouth to feed other than my own. Right. And, uh, um, so it's kind of afforded me that mentality has given afforded me a lot of risk taking. And, and so I've just, you know, just put myself out there and, and it's, it's paid off and it's great to have, I have an income from specialized, um, which is, Another, you know, I always thought I was going to be a professional mountain bike racer, mm-hmm. like maybe racing for Specialized, like my hero <laughs> Ned Overend, yeah. and and now, but this, I realized how much work there was going, was going to have to be put into that, you right. know, when I made it halfway up the hill climb at Fort Lewis and quit. <laughs> this is a much better arrangement, yeah. it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm a professional cyclist with the best arrangement, you know. <laughs> I'm a professional camper. <laughs> so uh, that's that's been pretty trippy. Um, so yeah, I get my my income from Specialized, and they perceive that their that you know their adventure line is their fastest growing line in their whole um, uh, and and whatever their whole business. Mm-hmm. So they're so with adventure cycling growing the way it is, um, they see it like in five years overtaking road racing. All right. So like, so I hear that and it, I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm here at the right time. Like this is going to mm-hmm. be, this is going to be good if I'm still into that stuff by then. I'm you know, <laughs> maybe back to bodybuilding, but <laughs> <laughs> her hair. Uh, so, so the, uh, um, 
so yeah, th- so through specialized and then through making bags and through doing stuff with Matt and selling little things like the my, the Randy Joe caps and mm-hmm. and uh, I've got some other clothing projects in the works with uh, so um, yeah between all that it's a, a it's a great living it's it's more than more than I was making on the boat you know working yeah. really hard yeah. just working hard in a, a way that is where my aptitude is with doing this kind of stuff and I'm able to just get a lot better results. Right. for the time that put in which is ultimately what we're all looking for you know to be proud of what you've done at the end of the day is right. that's fulfilling so yeah i feel very cool. fulfilled yeah that's i mean that's awesome that you've been able to you know you know turn you know what you do online into an income i mean i think that's like a huge challenge and something mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't appreciate like you know what it takes to to make that happen you know? yeah. yeah 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 definitely yeah cool uh well let's uh, wrap uh, but before I do, I want to do some uh, a lightning round with some reader questions. <laughs> uh, let's see what people came up with. I queried people oh, on... They're all real. What's that? They're all real. No implants here. <laughs> uh, favorite hair conditioner? Hmm. Um, I, don't wa- I don't... So I don't wash my hair. That's very delicate. But everything beautiful is also delicate. <laughs> uh, so when I do wash my hair, it's maybe when I'm in the desert like this, it's every two months or so. Mm-hmm. And I brush it with a very fine hairbrush each night that I treated myself to for my birthday this past year. It's a hairbrush from England. Mm-hmm. And it's very expensive. Cool. Very expensive. <laughs> so, so is it expensive? I I can, yeah, very. <laughs> uh, and so I, I brush my hair with that each night, and it, and it, and it, the natural oils in my hair are just that's what conditions them. And then I wake up in the morning, give it a little fruff, and I, million dollars later, this is what I look like. <laughs> so, but argan, uh, something with argan oil if I do wash it. Well, so someone else asked, how how do you meet Nam? Um, uh, Nam is actually from, she's five years younger than me, but from the same area in Connecticut. And, um, one particular year I, I was, I, uh, before I fully retired from the boat, I tried to work just for a month on the boat intensively and take the rest of the year off and just ride my mountain bike around the Southwest. And I had been doing that and it was turning into like a little bit like over the, like there's a line between like, you know, being like a bike touring bum like and then and then going full homeless you know like there's a line like when and uh and every once you know i've toyed with that line a number of times you know where you're you're like you just you know you haven't bathed in a month and you're got like you got like the dirt stains all on the back (laughs) of your neck and and your clothes are all patched and and you like accidentally slept and you like accidentally fell into dog poop and you had no way to wash it off, and, <laughs> you know, and I was experiencing that. And so I, I, uh, I remember talk, I would talk to my mom on the phone. She's like, sounds like you need to come home for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I did for a month. I came home in October, which is the best month to be in Connecticut. And Nam had just moved back from, from Virginia and I had never met her before, but, uh, we had a mutual friend and she came over to borrow a bike from him while I was over there. And, and, uh, I just kind of kept on hollering and she <laughs> finally responded. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we went on a, went, went on our first date and then kind of had an open relationship for about a year. And then, 
that realized that we uh, deeply loved one another and wanted to be together exclusively. So that's been the last three years or so. So yeah, we met in Connecticut of all places. For a month, here I am. I think it was because of that open relationship that I was able to uh, be myself and not have it. Because I'd always been kind of guarded prior to that when I would meet women, just because I didn't want to settle. You know, I just had to be clear that this is I don't want to settle down. Like I'm on the move and right. things like that. It's fine for her at the beginning because she had other boyfriends, and so that was fine. <laughs> Fine. So I got trapped. trapped. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> so what? Uh, what's next for you? What, what can we expect in 2018? Anything interesting? Yeah, you know, um, let's see, in 2018, I hope to finally have the final version of my handlebar release. <laughs> huge number because the minimum was just nuts. Matt, Matt, God bless him. He dumped whatever he's whatever plumbing money that he had scraped up over. pretty much the entire asset of crust has gone into this handlebar yeah <laughs> says if he sells sells out of them in five years then he'll get he'll finally start making a profit on them i think so, <laughs> so the handlebar hopefully and hopefully that when we have that ready in numbers, that'll really change the way people ride their drop bar bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, on top of that, I have a few uh, video projects uh, that I'm working on with a, a number of different um, channels. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, I'd really like to do more video. I think that's the definitely, I don't want to actually make video. <laughs> but I want in them yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool. out there you want to make a video i'm here for you right. <laughs> cool yeah, well yeah. on that note i uh we'll wrap up um so i hope you guys uh, like this video if you guys have any suggestions for future guests leave those in the comments below and uh if you guys liked it be sure to give it a thumbs up share subscribe and thank you so much benedict benedict for being on our channel Thank you, Russ. And thank you, universe. (laughs) Nice. I want to thank Benedict again for being a guest on PLP Talks. And if you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe. And these episodes will just magically appear on your listening device. At least that's what they tell me. This is my first time doing a podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. Be sure to tune in for more. And uh, until then, I'll talk to you guys next time.